Hello, and welcome to the very first installment of the Hexadecarune AF podcast. I am your host, F.H. Feltrop, and I am a proud Hexadecarune. Now, for those of you who are brand new to the podcast and are unfamiliar with the terminology Hexadecarune, it's basically someone, well... The old school terminology for the word hexadecarune is it's someone who is one sixteenth sub-Saharan African descent. But to put in modern terms, it's basically anybody who is anywhere between 0.1 and 11.9% sub-Saharan African descent. That's basically what it is. Now, the term hexadecarune, the origin story behind it is, it came about sometime between in the mid-1800s or late-1800s. Now, people, particularly white people in the U.S. South, they, came up, they come up with all these marginalization terminologies to, uh, to depict Ethnicity, like, uh, say, like hexadecarune, uh, octorune, quadrune, mulatto, griff, uh, aside from black. Pretty much these terminologies that have something to do with anybody that has any sort of sub-Saharan African ancestry. So, yeah, that, that's basically the origin story behind that. So, yeah... But us hexadecaroons, those of us who identify with the label, we are the only ones, according to the U.S. census, that is categorized as white. If you are octoroon or higher, you are considered black. You might as well go ahead and put, you are free to put either if you are an octorune specifically, you are free to either put uh, mixed or black on the U.S. census. But anyway, in this podcast, I would also like to discuss my personal my personal experiences of being a hexadecarune. So without further ado, let us begin. Now, let me segue into a pers- personal story. Like I, And you'll see as we go further into the episode as how this goes hand in hand with being a hexadecarune. So just bear with me. So, I was born in the fifth largest city in the United States, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I've lived there for the first eight months of my life. But as I... But once I turned eight months old, uh, my parents decided that they no longer wanted... Well, by my parents, I really mean my dad. My dad... My dad decided to move the family out to the middle this middle-of-nowhere town in Pennsylvania, not too far away from Erie, Pennsylvania, in northwestern Pennsylvania. So, yeah, for about, oh, what you would call it, 
approximately 21, approximately 20 years or so of my life, I have lived in a rural setting where diversity is practically zip. That's the thing. I've, and then that, that small community that's not too far away from Erie, Pennsylvania, I have lived there up until I was six years old. And from there, we decided to move to a small town not too far away from Springfield, Missouri. And we've basic, well, I basically lived there for 15 years of my life. So, again, this is another small town where the diversity ratio is zip. And yeah, my my experiences of living in that town in particular, even an an even more conservative setting. Well, let's just say say at the very least, it was an experience. Was it the most uh, was it the most positive of experiences? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, anyway, through as I got introduced into the public school system, I've noticed that throughout the relationships that I have conjured throughout my time there, I have noticed. Yes, I've made I made a few friends here and there, but I have managed to make friends with those who are from the, from the minority community. Whatever predominantly minority groups, and yes, even in small towns like that where the diversity ratio is very minuscule, there are little pockets of diversity here and there, and yes, sometimes they do tend to stick together, sometimes they do tend to integrate with other white people as well, the more accepting kind, but it is what it is. Anyway, so my experiences of being a hexadecaroon in that small community, like I mentioned before, definitely not the best. I have, at the very least, experienced minuscule type of racism. Not skin color related, obviously, but more like hair texture related racism. I know, it's very odd, very strange, but I was the... I was one of very, 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 very few people with my particular hair texture. Uh, some of us hexadecaroons, we have a tendency of having afroized hair. Now, a lot of other hexadecaroons, we're not necess- they're not necessarily going to have that afroized type of hair. Of course... Having the hexadecaroon status, we're going to have little shades of European thrown into the DNA admixture that make up our hair follicles. Of course. So, of course, for those of you who have never seen me before, have never met me in person, I am the kind of person that has that type of here it's it's light colored once it grows out a little bit it's a little bit difficult to run your fingers through your hair and that's the thing growing up around the people that i grew up around 
as a child. I had some overly curious people, people that are a little bit too curious for their own good, deciding to touch my hair, run their fingers through my hair, and of course these are curious white people that that exclusively have straight hair themselves. This seemed to be what this was one of my pet one of my biggest pet peeves growing up. People being a little bit too curious about my hair. And this is where it gets racial. And yes, being that it is a small community in southern Missouri, yes, you're going to have racists. And yeah, this is the Ozarks Mountain region we're talking about. So yeah, this is one of the most uh this is one of the most politically racist regions in the United States along with Appalachia. For those of you who are not familiar with the specific uh, political regions or marginalizations of the United States. It is what it is. So here's where here's where it gets racial. So of course I've had encounters with some racist rednecks here and there where they would they would make a subjective comment about my hair. And of course especially during high school and my My signature look back in high school was rocking an NBA headband around my around my afro to to give my afro some sort of emphasis, uh, cool or hip emphasis for that matter, and and it come to the point where a couple of racist rednecks have approached me and said to me that I look like an albino N word. Are they? They just started calling me albino N-word. Don't get it twisted. It doesn't really bother me all that much. But it is what it is. Uh, those of you who who are minorities and are considering moving to a small town in the Ozarks of Appalachia, I would not recommend it. I would not recommend it because you're going to be receiving that particular type of poor treatment upon your arrival. So... I really would not recommend that. But anyway. Yeah, so that's part of my experience of being a hexadecaroon in growing up in a small town. But however, I did finally break free from those rural chains and decided to set off on my own for a mid-sized city, rather. Still the the diversity ratio in the community that I live in now, of course, this is a city of 165,000 people. I went from living in a community of over 2,000 people to now 165,000 people. Where the diver, where now the community that I'm living in, the diversity ratio there is well, it's it, it's a lot better than where I was living before. Let's just say that there there's a lot more. Uh, exposure to variety here there's plenty of plenty of asian restaurants that i can go to 
two at my disposal. You get some exposure to, to plenty of African and Middle Eastern restaurants, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, from the diaspora and what have you. You get the gist. And again, uh, going back to my experiences of living in that small town, I, I knew I was different. I knew I was different from the rest from the rest of my peers. So I knew, and I would think to myself, why, why, oh why? Did my father, of all people, decide to move us out here? The thing is, we have a, a whole bunch, on the Feltrop side of the family, we have a, a lot of very distant relatives that are sparsed out throughout Missouri, but, but I digress. Apparently, and to undigress, Apparently, we are not very close with a lot of these distant relatives. So, apparently, there was the outcome of it all. There was absolutely no set in stone predication as to why we had to move out here. More than likely, it's just that my father loves living off the farm, living on farmland, etc., etc. But I re digress. But yeah, back to the topic at hand, I, wa I knew for quite some time that I was different from my peers. Like ethnically, like I knew, see the thing is, I didn't even discover that I even had African ancestry until three years ago. See that whole time that I was in... I was in grade school and college for that matter. I had absolutely no idea that I even had any African ancestry, but the fact of the matter is I do. And it, it is visibly evident to some extent, even with my very small percentage, it is. And the thing is that with being different from my peers, and I, I did own that, to a proud extent. Being different, I decided to wane away from the local culture. I decided that it did not identify with me personally. I just, I never intrinsically gravitated towards that specific culture. It was never me. <coughs> so at some point, around age 13, of course, the culture of the foundational black American, it resonated, we, it resonated with my core to an extent. And I decided to develop an affinity, more of an affinity for foundational black American culture. <coughs> and that's stemming from this, believe it or not, this is, one of the most rudimentary answers I'm ever going to give, but a lot of this stemming from my love of the movie Kangaroo Jack. 
and Anthony Anderson's character, Lewis Booker from Brooklyn, that, that was like, that guy was my idol. And I know he, he is a very minuscule character in movie, movie picture, film cinema history, but still I like the guy's swagger. I decided to nickname myself Louis, Louis Booker for several months myself. I like the guy's swagger. I like the guy's attitude. I became a very big fan of Anthony Anderson myself. He set the stand. He kind of set the standard to me for what foundational black American culture encompasses. The guy was my idol. I just, I gravitated toward the guy, like I said, I gravitated towards the guy's swagger and overall attitude. I was like, yes, yes, this guy right here. I wouldn't mind emulating off of him a little bit. Yeah, so for about a year or so, this guy, or a little over a year and a half, this guy was my go-to. I became a big fan of Anthony Anderson movies in general. Not just Kangaroo Jack, but yeah, pretty much every movie that Anthony Anderson was in, I vibed with. I vibed with, but yeah, that did open my eyes to the foundational black American culture and what it encompassed because I didn't have a whole lot of exposure of that side of culture living in the kind of community that I lived in. But yeah, at some point with all the, okay, well, Okay, I'm jumping the gun here. Just bear with me. This is my very first podcast that I'm that I'm recording. So just bear with me here if it's not running seamlessly. But anyway, yeah, even at some point like I've noticed the the group of friends that I was hanging out with, they love hip hop music and everything. So I figured, hmm, how how do I fit in with all that? Hmm. I know I could become a rapper. So, yeah, I quote-unquote became a rapper for for a minuscule period of time. And by minuscule, I meant two years. And yeah, I started dressing completely differently as well. I went from wearing what was considered regular clothes according to the overall opinion of that rural community, I went from, which is not necessarily cowboy boots and cowboy hats, etc. No, I never wore any of that stuff. I just wore regular clothes that you bought from Walmart because I was broke. I was broke AF back then. But anyway, I decided to change up my fashion ensemble a bit. I decided to wear pretty much black t-shirts. I got a little Superman. I decided to get a a little uh, Superman chain from a convenience store that was all blingy blingy. I thought that was fresh AF. Decided wearing my hat backwards with with a flat brim. Wearing baggy clothes. 
wearing a wife beater t-shirt every now and then and wearing a bandana sometimes wearing a bandana underneath my flat brimmed fitted hat every now and then because that the fitted hat that was the style back in the mid 2000s that was popular you know back from the uh oh what's the name of that hip-hop genre uh Crunk, yes. I freaking loved crunk music back then. That's sort of how I emulated my my fashion sense off of. Boy, did I love crunk music. And yeah, I've... And amongst my peers, I have become... My reputation as a rapper became somewhat rampant. Like, they started coming over to me. They started coming over to me and asking me to sing a particular rap song. Because back then, back then I harnessed the skill of memorizing these hip-hop songs that I listened to on XM Radio. And yes, back in the mid-2000s, XM Radio was popping. So back then, all these hip-hop songs that I I listened to on mainstream hip-hop radio, on XM Radio... I just memorized them word for word. Specifically, this Akon and Eminem song. I memorized Eminem's verse just like that. They were surprised. They were surprised. Like back then, back in the seventh grade, I was hanging out. I was hanging out with these group of guys, all other seventh graders. We were... We were macking on these eighth grade women, all of us, because we thought we were so hip and so cool like that. One of my, one of my clinchers as to grabbing, as to getting women to gravitate towards me was rapping to them. And the queen, the queen bee of that group herself The fact that she even gave me the time of day because of my rap skills, that meant the world to me. That meant the world to me. And I, yes, I developed a crush on her, and oh my god. Yeah, I'm I'm getting some I'm getting somewhere with this cultural swag. That's what Yes. But but to step away from a uh, nostalgia avenue or I digress again just bear with me with this whole recording with this whole recording stages just bear with me but yeah anyway uh moving forward so at some point i received a lot of backlash from the local redneck community and everything like telling, <clears throat> like becoming a victim of bullying, and them saying that my particular type of swag, my particular type of style is not welcomed in this kind of community. And I decided to take that very personally, and I decided to dot little by little, I decided to dial down on that type of fashion. It ate away at me. So I decided, from there on out, I decided to 
start dressing up like everybody else dressed, not in the redneck sense, but in the, in the preppy sense. American Eagle here, Hollister there, Aeropostale there. Decided to fit in with the rest of the rat race so that I can receive a lot less flack from the local community. And lo and behold, slowly but surely it did, but there were still there were still some people there were some people who still remembered vividly what my former sense of fashion consisted of. Now the thing is I, I still hung out with my group of my group of my pocket of minority friends. I still hung out with them. But apparently that did not the rep my reputation of being quote unquote gangsta did not die out amongst some people. But it is what it is. Some bullying techniques will follow you around wherever you go in life whether you're past a specific phase in your life or not. It is what it is. Yeah, so moving forward, I, little by little, as a senior in high school, as I was DJing the Hoop Queen dance, my my reputation as becoming... My reputation as becoming a DJ sort of sparked it sort of reintroduced that reputation of me being quote unquote gangsta again. Look, I'm just, I'm just trying to deliver my own spice nice, of my own spice of swag to the dance. Okay. I was, I was popping and yes, my personal breakdance skills did raise some eyebrows, started raising some questions about my own particular identity. Some people just started, hell, I'll, I'll never forget my senior prom. I noticed that one, one girl in particular asked me, where, where did I start possessing these dance skills? I told her, I don't know. I guess it's something in the water in Philadelphia which is my birthplace, by the way. I guess there's something in that water that intrinsically births natural-born dancers. I said something along those lines to her. But yeah. And in the senior superlatives section of my yearbook, I was awarded most likely to break out into random dance. And of course, that's going to raise some questions. Hell, I even had somebody in my shop class ask me if I was, if I had a little bit of black in my ancestry. Of course, back then, I I didn't even know that I had African ancestry in me. So I just told them, nah, I don't have any of that in me. The closest thing to that, that I do have in me is Native American, but that's it. Turns out that that rumor became false. Turns out I don't have any Native American in me. It was just a, a rumor made up by 
the Feltrop side of my family that I just happen to have a little bit of Cherokee in my ancestry. But that rumor, that rumor slowly but surely died down as me and the rest of the Feltrop family decided to dive a little bit deeper into our ancestral mitochondrial uh, table, etc., etc. <clears throat> so it is what it is. And throughout college, and yes, I went to college in a somewhat larger town. Still, diversity is zip there. But yeah, the kinds of people that I grew up with, of course, I grew up, like I hung out with a predominantly black crowd for the very first time, going to college there. They, they reintroduced to me what it's like to fully experience the FBA experience. Of course, we had a few non-FBAs at that campus. Of course, a lot of these people are not from the community that the university belongs to. A lot of them are there away from home. Hence, this is a university. A lot of them are even from overseas. Like some of them, some of these are non-FBA blacks, like from Europe, a few from Africa, some from the Caribbean even. And some of them are non-FBAs that just happen to be living in different cities in the United States, going to college here on a basketball scholarship or going to college here because this just happens to be the cheapest educational option within the state, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the reason may be. So yeah, it is what it is. So they opened my eyes to that side of culture. And I for lack of better words, started to emulate that a little bit more. And then it, I even went into, even the group of friends, the minority group of friends that I had in that particular community, we started up our own record label. We started up our own record label called Yes, I Am A Bird Records. We had some guy, some guy in that community I eventually became friends with, who is of half Trinidadian, half Ghanaian descent, named Free Willy. He, even though the guy was two years younger than me, like at the time, like he was, he was 18, I was 20 at the time. He was fresh out of fresh out of high school. Was taken a, a few years off before he eventually would segue into his personal college year. But he came to me with an idea. He knew that he noticed my love of music in general. So me and him came up with a brainchild of an idea 
we decided to start up our own record label called Yes, I Am A Bird Records, where we would house local talent that has some sort of interest in performing urban music. We got a few acts together. Even one of my best friends to this day, Rima, who is of Filipina descent. She came on board with the project exact. And yes, we came together. A lot of us recorded a few songs here and there. We were practically the only black-owned business in that community. But we were very under the radar, so as to not attract racists. There were, in that particular community, there were two, there were two racist gangs operating in that community. They were like neo-Confederate gangs. And yeah, they are known to stir up trouble every now and then if they do see a minority somewhere in the distance. It's it's not a pretty situation. It's just, it's culturally ugly all over. <clears throat> but anyway, with this entire process, I decided to really, decided to really own the proudness of my African ancestry, even though I had no, I, I still had no idea at that time that I even had African ancestry. I was just, I was proud to be a part of that culture. I knew I had the Afroized hair. I knew somehow, somewhere down the line that I was different from the peers that I grew up with in grade school. But once I got into college, I found my place. I finally found my place in this world. A place where I intrinsically belonged. And then, November 2013, things took a turn for the worse. Our record label went bottom up fiscally. We were not able to keep up with finances. The record label shut down. Now, a lot of the people that were affiliated with the record label, they decided to split and leave town, go back to their, their home cities. Because their college days were pretty much over at that point. So they split, went their separate ways. Of course... For another several months or so, I had to continue living in that small town and come up with a way to continue my education. So, in those days, I decided to go to a culinary arts school that happens to be in, in the city that I currently live in. So, August 2014 came around. I moved to Springfield, Missouri. I moved to Springfield, Missouri. 
and the surroundings that I was surrounded by. Around that time, I started watching some YouTube channels by curated by EBPs. If you don't know what an EBP is, it's an educated black person. I started to gravitate away from what was considered the stereotypical black culture in America, and I started gravitating towards the culture of the EBPs. I still had a little bit of the stereotype connected to me. Hell, I still have a little bit of the stereotype connected to me today. But my cultural preferences lean towards the culture of the EBPs nowadays. Meaning we dress a lot better. We listen to neo-soul music, and we have a lot better dietary choices, which that appealed to me so much. And this, this is intrinsically what I decided to gravitate towards, because this is who I really was. And it's been like this for the past seven years. I, ident I identified heavily with the EBP culture, even though my personal IQ is nowhere near their IQ. Their, the average IQ of an EBP is around 140. My IQ is only a 118. And I know at my age, I know that IQ is never going to increase, but I am going to continue learning important factoids about financial literacy and owning a business and being a, a computer software programmer, etc., etc. But that's beside the point. The point is, I have always gravitated, gravitated towards a, an easy, laid-back, and easy-living type of lifestyle. And that's what the EBPs, the EBP FBAs, That's the culture that they possess. Those are the vibes that they give off. And I love that. I love that so much. Then in 4 years later in 2018, I found out for the very first time that I happen to have sub-Saharan African ancestry in my DNA. I was so happy at that moment. Suddenly, things in my life started to make more sense. The answers to questions that I have wanted answered for a very long time have finally been answered. It was kismet. That day, April 25th, 2018, was a is a day that I will never forget. 
the day that I got my 23andMe ancestry results to me. Of course, at that time, they didn't really, they didn't really specify what, what particular African ancestries I was. They didn't get that far yet. Within that, that particular website's development, they weren't able to completely identify the specific African ancestries yet. Not until July 2018, where they finally revealed to me that I have ancestral links to the countries of Senegal and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. 0.2% Senegalese and 0.1% Congolese. But it wasn't until April of 2021 that I got a little bit further into my research and revelations of my own personal African ancestry. I found out that I am a descendant of the of the who okay give give me a second here I'm thinking of the trying to think of the name of the ancestries here okay the Bakongo people of the Democratic Republic of the Congo and the Wolof people of Senegal at that moment I had finally found I have finally found my true calling, my true purpose in life as I discovered what particular ancestries I was that made up me. I am a hexadecaroon. And I wear that badge with honor and pride. This is who I am. This is the culture that I proudly indulge in. And those of you who are proudly hexadecaroon, I encourage you to look into your ancestry. Start adapting little facets of, that, of whatever part of FBA culture you feel like gravitates towards you. Don't over-culturally appropriate dough. Don't do that. Just be, be completely yourself. Be completely yourself, but appreciate the culture on an appropriate level. That is my suggestion to you. That is my suggestion to you. And of course, with my time in Springfield, I have also been introduced to a side of African culture as well. As I started to work alongside, a, in 2015, I started working alongside a, a Nigerian guy by the name of Christian Namani. Oh, shit, I should not have revealed his name. You know what? It is what it is. But yeah, he introduced me to certain facets, certain facets of African culture, particularly Nigerian culture, Afrobeats music, jollof and rice, a goosey soup, etc., etc. 
And if you know me personally, you know I love Afrobeats music. I love it. Aside from neo-soul music and jazz-infused hip-hop being my my all-time favorite genres, I also love Afrobeats music. I don't know, I guess throughout the majority of my grown life, I have developed an affinity towards most concepts, most facets of African diasporic life. It's just always gravitated towards me in a way. And so that's it for the, and that is my little introductory story to how I started to find my own identity. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm at a loss for words here. Just bear with me, this is my very first podcast. I know as I, as I consistently get into this process a little bit more, I will I will learn to adjust as time progresses but yeah I'm I'm not the best person I'm not an expert I'm not intrinsically I am not the best when it comes to saying exactly what what is on my mind and and putting it out there verbally I'm I'm the kind of person that that finds it a lot easier to write down my thoughts as opposed to spitball them and wing it and wing it or whatever you call it but yeah anyway i hope you enjoyed this part podcast regardless of the uh of the myriad i the myriad of mistakes that i have made here and there myriad amount of mistakes here and there you see what i mean see what i'm talking about anyway i'm your boy fh feltrop reminding you no matter what stage you are in your life, it is okay to, to find your purpose in this life. Find whatever intrinsically gravitates towards you and harness that proudly. Y'all have a wonderful day, and remember... It is okay to be Hexadecaroon AF and wear that as a badge of honor and pride. Good day to you all.